It's time for the Predator Way Podcast. The show starts now. Yes, sir. Deadline week is here. Let's go. This is the Predator Way podcast on Penalty Box Radio. I am your host, Boyd Farish. And here we go on a Tuesday afternoon with what is now my fourth attempt to record this episode since everything happened in Nashville Predators land this past weekend. So I'll try to make this one kind of a quick hitter with more expanded thoughts coming after the trade deadline is over. But there were some huge news. But there was some huge news in the Nashville Predators front office. While the Nashville Predators are open for business and making moves, then I'll take a look at what's to come in the week ahead leading up to the trade deadline and take a look around the NHL as the Eastern Conference is absolutely loading up. So the big news of the last 72 hours or so is that Nashville Predators general manager David Poyle will be stepping away from that role and transitioning to former Nashville Predators head coach Barry Trotz. The news was broken Sunday afternoon by Elliot Friedman not long before the Nashville Predators game versus Arizona, and wow, did that send shockwaves across the hockey world. It was soon after confirmed by the organization and a press conference was scheduled for this past Monday morning and it was really interesting to listen to and to hear that really this has been a plan in the process for a while now. David Poyle has been looking at his transition plan for about three to four years working with the ownership and as of last summer, informed the ownership of the Predators that this season, 2022-23, would be his final one. On a side note, if you haven't already, I would really recommend listening to both the press conference, but also David Poyle's interview on 102.5, as there's some really good insight about kind of how all of this came together and the process that underwent. So where I want to start really is just some respect for David Poyle. 41 years as a general manager, the entire span of the Nashville Predators as part of that, and really building the Nashville Predators from the ground up. He led the organization through some really uncertain times and really lean years where the ownership situation was tenuous at best. And... At those times, he was really kind of the face of the franchise and trying to keep things moving forward, keep the team competitive, and a lot of respect has to be given for that and the work that he did. A really interesting note also over the past couple days was from Elliot Friedman, who mentioned that in the Stanley Cup final in 2017, the atmosphere in and around Nashville and in and around Bridgestone Arena actually sort of forced the NHL to rethink how they approach location as a selling point 
for the game of hockey. And I think we've started to see that since then as winter classics, stadium series, the Stanley Cup finals, the Stanley Cup playoffs are really highlighting the locations that they're in. And you've seen more and more teams doing the plaza parties, outdoor viewing, and a lot of that stems back from 2017 in Nashville. And that's really cannot be overlooked or overstated just how important that is to the league and how it's trying to grow the game. So David Poyle will retire as the winningest general manager in NHL history and confirmed that he will stay on with the organization as an advisor to ownership and to hockey operations. So the legacy that David Poyle leaves behind, really it's as a builder, both in the franchise as well as the community at large. He really helped Nashville grow and become a hockey city. And you think about the growth and the evolution of downtown Nashville to a really a a destination. A lot of that has to do with the excitement around Bridgestone Arena and the Nashville Predators and making it a place that people really want to go. So he leaves behind. The Predators are one of the more respected organizations in the league. They are stable and Nashville is a destination for players, fans, and media. And a lot of that credit goes to the leadership that David Poyle put forth. It is unfortunate that he did not ever earn a Stanley Cup as a general manager, but hopefully he's around in the organization long enough in his advisory role that maybe the Predators will break through and be able to win one while he's around. So now to Barry Trotz. I think on some level, we all sort of saw this coming when he decided not to take the Winnipeg job or any other job as a coach and take the year off, bought a house in Nashville. All signs seem to be pointing to Barry Trotz's eventual return to the Nashville Predators organization. And through the the press conference and the interviews, it was interesting to hear him reference working with Brian McClellan in Washington and Lou Lamorello in New York in the recent years and really seeing that as an opportunity to learn more about the general manager role. And when that opportunity started to present itself in Nashville, I think he sort of had a mind that this was something that he really wanted to do. So they did confirm he's already been working with the National Predators hockey operations staff, including David Poyle and sort of an advisory role. And with the trades that have happened, which I'll touch on those in a little more detail shortly, it's hard to imagine that he didn't have his fingerprints on those trades, even if he wasn't making the phone calls to Julian Brisebois or up into Winnipeg with Kevin Sheveldayoff. You have to think he was at least a part of that process and identifying those opportunities. So... It will be interesting to see how this carries through into the summer with the draft being in Nashville. The Predators currently have a boatload of picks. Remains to be seen whether they'll keep all of them, but they're there. And then also into free agency. What is this team going to look like with the imprint of now Barry Trotz in that lead role? So to sort of wrap up my thoughts, despite the struggles of the past few seasons and Certainly it looked like it's been time for David Poyle to step away. 
at the end of the day, I am glad to see David Poyle be able to go out on his own terms. And it's pretty neat, at least from a narrative standpoint, to have the chance to transition that role to another original predator, so to speak, in former head coach, now incoming general manager, Barry Trotz. So now looking at the Predators roster, what, what a wild few days it has been. So Nino Niederreiter traded to Winnipeg for a second round pick. Where I sort of landed on this is I'm whelmed by the return, not overwhelmed, not necessarily underwhelmed. The Predators historically have done very well with second round draft picks. So they got value for a guy that isn't in their future plans and... That's really the most important thing at this point. Nino is a great fit for Winnipeg, really the type of player that they need. And he's just a good guy. And I hope that he gets a chance to go on a deep run and have a chance at a cup. Tanner Janot. Now this was fun. All the intrigue swirling over the last few days, there's interest in him, but maybe the Predators are looking at a long-term extension with him. They don't really need to trade him, but could they trade him? And then it really started to bubble up Sunday afternoon. The interest is there. Multiple teams really wanting the type of player that he is for their playoff runs. And then when he got held out of the game against Arizona at the last minute, forcing the Predators to play shorthanded with only, I think at the end of, at the end of it, it was 10 forwards. So what just a wild set of circumstances. And then... When the reports came out, I didn't believe it when I saw it. I had to wait for two or three different people to confirm it before I would actually believe that five draft picks and a young defenseman was the return. And I get it, though. It's kind of the perfect trade for two teams in different places. Tampa doesn't care about draft picks in the future. They're trying to win cups now for the core that they have for who knows how many more years. So it actually makes a lot of sense. And from Nashville's perspective, they need more arrows in the quiver, more ways to just acquire assets, either through drafting more prospects or being able to package those picks in trades. The more they can have, the better. Late Sunday night, I think a lot of people probably missed this in the swirl of the Tanner Janot trade and the Predators winning 6-2 to two over Arizona. The Predators did make another trade, probably at the minor league level for former Philadelphia Flyers prospect, Isaac Ratcliffe. He is a former second round pick and he was acquired for the always elite future considerations. And he is a big boy listed at 6'6 and 245 pounds. He's had a cup of coffee in the NHL, played a few games, but really hasn't progressed to being an everyday player. In my mind, he's the perfect type of player to take a flyer, pun absolutely intended, and see if you can get something out of him. Worst case scenario, you can create a line in Milwaukee of Ratcliffe, who's massive, Joachim Kondalik, who's massive, and Marcus Nurmi, who is massive, and basically have them take up the entire ice skating around. So if nothing else, it'll be fun to watch. Again, it didn't cost the Predators anything, so a bit of why not. So what's next? What lies ahead for the remaining few days until the trading deadline? 
there has been a lot of swirl about Matias Ekholm. Multiple reports from Darren Drager that Nashville has worked with Edmonton on a trade. Now, Edmonton is also looking at Eric Carlson, Jacob Chikrin, Vladislav Gavrikov. So hard to say at this point that the likelihood is high, but really interested to see what happens with Matias Ekholm there. Or if another team like the Los Angeles Kings jumps in and adds another former Predator to their roster. Where I land about Ekholm is I don't want him to be traded, so to speak. But if it gives him an opportunity to go on not just one, but potentially multiple Stanley Cup runs, the guy's a workhorse. He deserves it. I'd be happy for him to get into another situation and have a real shot at a cup. Then we're looking at Dante Fabro. He's an interesting case. 24 years old, a pending RFA. His qualifying offer is reasonable at just under $2.5 I believe. He's a solid player. He's not spectacular. Probably gets a little more blame than he deserves here in Nashville. His mistakes sometimes get a little over-amplified because they seem to always end up in the back of the net. But... His overall game is pretty good, and he would have asset value as a young right-handed defenseman to a lot of different teams. There have been a number of reports that San Jose remains interested, especially given his former college coach, Dan Quinn, is the head coach there in San Jose. And then with defenseman Cal Foote being a part of the return for the Tanner Janot trade, it really just sort of feels like the writing on the wall is on the wall with Dante Fabro. Which brings us to UC Saros. And again, it's interesting. They don't have to trade him now. It's probably not the best market unless somebody just bowls you over with an offer. Most of the teams that are Stanley Cup contenders pretty much already have their goaltending figured out or don't have an easy way to bring on someone at Saros's very reasonable for the talent that he is, but still not cheap contract. To me, I look at it as whether it's this summer or next, obviously assuming Yaroslav Askarov continues to ascend in his game, I would think Saros will have to be traded. When it happens, it will be for a massive return. My one comment is, you can't wait until he's a pending UFA. Rental goalies, just they don't get traded very often, especially not higher-end starters. And I don't think that's going to be maximizing his value as much as you could in the summer when you can have multiple teams creating more of a bidding war to earn his services. And then what else is out there that maybe we really haven't heard of? Do the Predators find a way to move Mikhail Granlund or even Matt Duchesne? Does Ryan McDonough want to stick around or does he eventually say, this isn't what I signed up for and decides he's willing to waive his no trade clause to be able to be moved to a contender? I generally think those are less likely, but with a changing of the guard at the helm, kind of anything's possible. So, if nothing else, from a narrative perspective, the possibilities this week are kind of endless. So 
it should be fun to watch if nothing else. So as I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, February 28th, there were a couple of other uh, notes around the Nashville Predators that came out today. First, newly acquired defenseman Cal Foote will make his Predators debut tonight versus Pittsburgh. And then the really exciting one of the day, Luke Evangelista, leading scorer, AHL rookie all-star for the Milwaukee Admirals, was called up this morning and will make his NHL debut tonight. So very exciting for him, very exciting for the Predators to see one of their top talents have a chance to come in and play not just an NHL game, but make his debut against Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang. That's got to be hugely exciting for, for Luke, and certainly the Predators fan base is very excited for him. So taking a bit of a look around the league, it is an absolute arms race in the Eastern Conference. When you look at all the different playoff contenders that have made significant moves and continue to make significant moves, even up to the time of this recording, we've seen the New York Rangers bring in Vladimir Tarasenko and just released in the last few minutes. It looks like the Patrick Kane saga is done and he will become a New York Ranger. The Maple Leafs have brought in Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari, and then just yesterday, Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe. Boston has brought in two you know, talented players in Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway. New Jersey made the big trade of the weekend, completing their season-long chase for Timo Meyer. Carolina just today made a trade for Jesse Pugliarvi, and they have room to add more players, potentially a defenseman. The New York Islanders brought in Bo Horvat, who's helped them jump back into the playoff race. We've already talked about Tampa and Tanner Janot. So what comes next? Does a Pittsburgh, a Buffalo, Detroit, maybe even Florida join in and try to make a big move and jump up in the standings with this just arms race that's happening in the Eastern Conference? Which then gets to who in the Western Conference is going to step up and do something? The West is so wide open, there's no clear favorite. Maybe if Colorado gets everybody back at the time of the playoffs, they'll put it back together and go on another run, but... Nobody really sticks out right now. Vegas already made a move to go get Ivan Barbashev and apparently was on in on Timo Meyer as well. Could they be stacking up for another move? Edmonton, LA, could Seattle make a big move? Dallas made a somewhat smaller move for Evgeny Dadnov. You probably think they're probably looking to make a bigger splash. Almost every team that is in the top 10 in the West Nashville included, is capable of making some type of big move. So the next few days really could be pretty fascinating. All that to say, I love trade deadline week. It is one of my favorite times of the year. I'm treating deadline day like a vacation. I'm taking the day off of work. I'll be on the socials, reacting to all of it. And as always, I just can't wait. So that will do it for this episode of the Predator Way podcast on Penalty Box Radio. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe to Penalty Box Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Once again, I'm your host, Boyd Farish. You can find me on Twitter at Boyd underscore 1212. 
and my written work on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great deadline week, and be well, everyone. We'll be right back.